Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, we have robots, digital masks and 3D printing with chocolate. But first up, here's the news. Last Friday... A three-kilometre-wide asteroid passed the Earth at a safe distance, but close enough to give astronomers great views. And the unusual thing is that it came with a friend. Not a spaceship, but a moon, 600 metres in diameter. This rare binary asteroid passed within 15 times the distance between the Earth and the moon, nearly six moon kilometres away. NASA report that about 16% of large asteroids are binary or triple systems. Astronomers found 1998 QE2's moon when they were examining it in radar. 1998 QE2 is about the size of the asteroid thought to have ended the age of the dinosaurs. Squeezing breasts can prevent malignant cells developing into cancer. The researchers at the University of California, Berkeley, created fake silicon breasts with malignant breast epithelial cells growing inside. Experiments showed that physical pressure led cells back to normal growth patterns, and that even after compression was no longer applied, the malignant cells stopped growing. The uncompressed cells developed cancer. This matches biologists' experience that malignant cells treated with drugs can revert to healthy breast tissue. They just need the right cues. E. cadherin is a protein that cells use to communicate to each other about where they are in the tissues. Researchers stopped compression curing the breast cells by exposing them to a drug that blocks E. cadherin. This suggests that squeezing breasts helps the cells send signals to each other that help them develop into healthy breast tissue, even when they have cancer genes. The results were presented at the annual meeting of the American Society for Cell Biology in San Francisco in a talk titled, Externally Applied Forces Can Phenotypically Revert Malignant Breast Epithelial Structures. CBIT is a consumer electronics and business information technology trade fair held in Sydney's Darling Harbour every year. The University of Technology Sydney 
showed off the Oculus virtual reality system, including a sneaky program that gives the wearer the experience of being guillotined. 3D printing systems showed off their printers and a prosthetic arm printed on a home 3D printer. Rapid 3D showed off colour 3D printing. Element 14 showed off the Raspberry Pi $36 computer. Kahua Tech showed a small wind turbine for houses. Amongst all the people selling gadgets and software and services are scientists and engineers from the universities, the CSIRO and NICTA, exhibiting their research. The Darling Harbour Exhibition Hall was very noisy, so you'll have to listen very closely. First, I spoke with Fred Pauling from the CSIRO on a telepresence robot that children in remote communities can use to visit the Australian Museum in Canberra using the internet. So, so I'm speaking to Fred Pauling from CSIRO. That's right. Yep. And what's the name of the project? So this is the Mobile Telepresence for Museums project. Uh, and this project enables students in rural and remote areas to visit our national institutions through broadband internet. Uh, and what we have is two robots in the National Museum's Landmarks Gallery. Uh, and a, a, a tour guide, a human tour guide, would operate those robots, uh, move around the museum to interesting locations, and allow students to visit the museum virtually. So we have a panoramic camera on top of the robot, sends out uh, video to all of the, uh, the students, and each student can look around wherever they like, independent of other students. Uh, and they can have one-to-one -one conversations with the guide, which everybody can listen to. They can click on additional digital overlays at certain locations in the museum. And the guide has opportunities to ask multiple choice questions of all the students. Yes. And you can immediately see all of the responses and, and respond based on what the students' responses are. That's amazing. So they basically, they can be in a classroom or on a computer on their own. That's right. And they can talk to the tour guide or they can even talk to the other children. They, they can't talk directly across um, between the students but everybody can always hear the conversation with the guide. So the guide's like right. the Speaker of the House, if you like. Yes. You talk through the guide and everybody can hear what you're saying. That's right. That's, that's awesome. And yeah. so is this something that will get easier with the NBN? Yeah, so this is designed to show off the, uh, the power of broadband networks like the NBN. And you do need high bandwidth because each video stream coming through is about 7 megabits, 7 to 10 megabits. Right. So for a school to have you know, 10 concurrent connections, you need about 70 megabits um, of bandwidth and things like the MBN or networks like the MBN are really the only way to support that kind of application. So that overcomes the tyranny of distance? It does, I think, and uh, the students have really responded very well to the experience. They say it's great, they have a great time participating and they really feel like they've learnt something has a strong educational value and in a sense they feel like they've visited the museum through the system. That's terrific. So you've got one at the National Museum in Canberra? There's two actually. There's, There's two. a black one and a white one and uh, they were recently, uh, the, name, the names were decided by a naming competition which went out Australia wide. Uh, and this morning those names were announced. One's Kasparov, the white one, Kasper for short, because yes. it's white, and the other one is Chester. Who's, awesome. a, who's a black chess piece? They're shaped like a, a chess pawn piece. Yeah, so they, they can be seen roving around the, the Landmarks Gallery. Uh, and initially, we're targeting Year Five uh, history students. There's a new national history curriculum. Um, so all of the tours, because it's a prototype system and it's a closed uh, trial, if you like, 
uh, all of those tours are going to Year 5 students around the country, NBN connected schools. Right. Yeah. Awesome. And so will that go to other museums later? Hopefully, eventually. Eventually. It's, it's a prototype and uh, in order to uh, get to a wider audience we need to find a commercialisation partner who can take it to market. Yes. Uh, and we're talking to some people now, we're obviously looking for other people who right. might be able to help us along that journey. Terrific. Well, Fred Pauling, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. That was Fred Pauling of the Commonwealth Scientific Industrial Research Organisation talking about telepresence robots. There'll be a link to his page on the Diffusion Radio website. It's a long URL. Next, I spoke with Cindy Huang from Macquarie University about her championship-winning robot team, Thunder Down Under. So you're Cindy Huang? Yeah. This Thunder Down Under robotics team. Yeah. And you've been competing. Yes. So. Tell me about the competition. So this year's game was called Ultimate Ascent. Um, there's a new game every year, and essentially we have six weeks to build and design a robot, as well as a business plan, um, media, marketing for all of this as part of our team. And then we take all of this and we go overseas to compete. So the regional we went to was Hawaii this year, um, and that was in April, early April. And so at that competition, we won the highest award there, and that's called the Chairman's Award, um, which is this trophy right here. And Congratulations. That, thank you. Um, and that actually has nothing to do with the robot. It's about community outreach. And, that what this, and that's what this program is for. First stands for, for inspiration and recognition of science and technology. Um, and that is what our team is striving towards. And that is what this program is striving towards. It's kind of an amalgamation because our team actually decided to form um, First Australia. So an Australian branch of this American organization. So that everyone in Australia can have the same opportunities that we do. And then as a result of our success in Hawaii, we qualified to go to St. Louis, Missouri, which is where World Championships were being held that year. Um, this is our chairman's video behind me, um, and that's a video that we created to kind of document the outreach we've done this year. Um, and I helped make that video along with a friend of mine. Terrific. So you have Thank a business you. plan as well. And a, yeah, business plan. So essentially, we operate as um, a business because the team needs to be able to uh, find sponsorship. These are our sponsors for our team uh, to build a robot like this. Yeah. Obviously, it costs money, and money has to come from somewhere. So within that, we're not only having a business plan for um, being able to team sustainability, but also the sustainability of this program. Since we are a not-for-profit organization, we have to find ways to ensure that um, if something happens, if one of our sponsors drop out, how are we going to ensure that kids all around can still continue to have the opportunity to compete or participate. Yes, so what does the robot do? Um, so this is Gaiden was ultimate ascent, so what it had to do was um, frisbees came in through the feeder, you could manually feed them, and then um, it would shoot into three goals, three levels of goals, and then at the end of the game um, you could hang on a pyramid, so there are three rungs and we only hung at the bottom rung, that scored us ten points. And so it was three on three robots, um, and you would compete on a field that was about 27 by 50 four feet, so it's a pretty large field, and um, so it's red versus blue alliance. Terrific. So you're a student at Macquarie University. Yes. And if people want to find out more about First Australia, where should they look? Um, they should go to www.firstaustralia.org. Terrific. Yeah. Cindy Huang, thank you very yeah. much. Thank you. That was Sydney Huang, improving education for children in need by building competitive robots. You can find out more on www.firstaustralia.org and a photo of Cindy and the Thunder Down Under robot can be found on the Diffusion Radio website.
Dalton Tanduka from CSIRO uses facial analysis to create a digital avatar mask from any picture of a face that will mirror the actual facial expressions of someone in front of the computer's camera. My, my name is Gautam Tendulkar. Gautam Tendulkar. Yeah. And we've got a face analysis project here. Is that the, right? Well, the, what this does is it um, transfers your expressions onto any 2D image you choose. Right. And animates it. Right. So you've got a 2D, is, is this like a digital mask that you would have? You can have any 2D image. It can be uh, any photo, any image you want. You can choose whatever one you want. Um, and you have some examples there. What it does, it transforms that 2D image into a living uh, image with your expressions. Right. And what's the purpose? Um, the, the purpose of it is, um, uh, I'll give you some examples. Um, say you have a call center and uh, you want to answer, uh, you want to respond to your clients with, a, with an image of someone talking. Yes. Um, but the person who's talking uh, might be in the middle of the night. So he might not want to be seen. Yes. Uh, so he will take a photo of himself and that will be animated. Right. You know, or imagine this uh, for TV. You know, you want to have an interview of famous figures in history talking about the GFC. So who do you inv invite? You can have Napoleon and Winston Churchill and Stalin. Right. And so their pictures will be animated, but you have normal people discussing it. Right. You know, so you can basically um, create, uh, you know, uh, personalities mm -hmm. and animate them from uh, whatever library you have of images. And is this just using a webcam? Yes, yes. So it just uses the webcam. There's actually a demo there which we can show you. Yes. It just uses the webcam on the front of your um, Mac at the moment to work on Mac. Right. And when would something like this become available? Oh, it's available now. We've open sourced it. Oh, uh, it's it's uh, already uh, available for non-commercial use yes. under GPL2 uh, type of license. So anyone can download it and develop things on it for non-commercial use. Uh, if you want to use it commercially, then you'd have to come and talk to us about some licensing arrangements. So, so is anybody uh, using it for Skype or Google Hangouts or anything like that? Um, I don't know, but uh, I'll give you some examples of how it could be used. Um, say, you know, you're doing a Skype or a, 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 some sort of teleconference, video conferencing system. You can imagine that um, instead of using your own appearance, you could be anyone you want to be yes. when you're talking to the other person. Uh, so you could protect your identity a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's one application which is quite powerful. Um, advertising as well. Um, you know, you can have personalities selling you their image to be used. But instead of them having to talk, you can have an actor speaking for them, but it will animate their face. Yes. Um, you know, Sorry, even cinema. in films. You know, Film. I mean, well, uh, they'll go crazy in films. Yeah, they? well, we haven't got the full body yet. Right. So we only got the face. Yes. So yes, eventually you could uh, you know, replace any actor by anyone you want. And does it get all of the facial expressions? Um, I think if you look at the, uh, the demo. Uh, tech demo, you'll see it gets, uh, it's very realistic. Mm. Um, of course, the, the there are limitations simply because uh, this program also runs on um, iPads, mm -hmm. and so the actual processing power is limited. Right. So it really depends how densely, um, you'll see there's like a grid on the face. Yes. It depends how dense that grid is. 
so the drones are grid to, to work out what's happening. But you don't functions. see you don't see the grid. No, but that's how the software works. Yes, now. it draws a grid, and as the it, it, it detects the corner points and it draws a grid connecting them. And as you as you morph them, the, it knows. But the denser the grid, so once you've got the grid, it, it, it recognizes the corner points, and then it can stick whatever to the image on that. Right. So, um, yeah, so it depends on the processing power of the CPU, but I mean, that will increase. That's amazing. And so it's available now for developers yes. and for non-commercial use. Yes. Yes. So if the listeners wanted to play with this, when could they expect there might be something oh. that they could play with at home? Oh, they could play with it. Well, if you go to the... Um, oh, yes. The, the website? Yeah, it's... Um, there's the. Uh, do you know what the website is where you can download it? Yeah, down the bottom. Yeah, if you go there, that's there's a there's a link on that All right. website. I'll put a, a link yeah. on the yeah. website. But it's called face uh, face as face dot ci two cv dot net. Yeah, that's it. That is that's the link. There. Yes, that the is link. the download page. Right. So you can download the whole source code and I think an app. Yes. There is an app. A, a, a demo right. app yeah. and you can play with it and you can you do whatever you want with it for non-commercial use at the moment. We're still working on licensing terms. It was only open source a few weeks ago. That's terrific. Yeah, please Wait. mention uh, Simon Lucy. Yes, He's the yes. key researcher who originated it and the leader of the team. So the key researcher is Simon yeah, Lucy. That's right. okay. uh, well, thank you very much. That was Dalton Tanduka from the CSIRO talking about using computer vision to create digital masks that mirror your facial expressions as you make them. You can find out more at face.ci2cv.net. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of sciences found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life. You're listening to Diffusion Science Radio. Send email to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. After CBIT, the Powerhouse Museum had a chocolate 3D printing event called Eat the Collection. Naturally, I had to be there. The museum opened up its new cafe and displayed some of the day's chocolate printed sculptures and hosted talks by all of the chocolate designers. I spoke with Chris Bamborough, a designer from Super Maneuver, who designed and printed some chocolate creations. Yeah, my name is Chris, and I'm, I'm involved with Supermaneuva, who did the, uh, the uh, one of the pieces for uh, Eat the Collection. Awesome. And so, 3D printing in chocolate, how yeah. hard is it to make it work? Uh, incredibly, incredibly hard. Um, fun, but very, very hard. There's just lots of variables at the moment, you know, and it's incredibly uh, reliant on 
on the environment. This, the ambient temperature uh, is the pressure that it's running at, is the speed it's running at. There's all these variables which ultimately you don't have to worry about in the 3D printer because it just, it's, it's chucking out plastic or it's actually burning powder or, or you know, a surface. So yeah, there's these things that we, we actually try to play with and actually vary, but ultimately they become so big that every time you run the next run of your model, it's yeah. something completely different. Mm -hmm. So that's what we try to run with. Uh, it's yeah. almost the volatility of the, the medium or the material. It's, it's kind of the fun side of it. It's, yeah, and then with setting chocolate, mm -hmm. I mean, if you speak to chocolatiers, there's a whole art of getting it at the right temperature yeah, to yeah. crystallise. And, yeah. and that must be almost... Do you have to give that up in a 3D printer? Well, um, the funny thing was, we I was in the office running with the printer when um, the guys from the Chocolatiers who were working on the project, and I can't remember the name, they really bad, because they were really heavily involved in the meat, like which chocolate was the best chocolate to use. And they wanted to use Belgian chocolate, lots of Belgian chocolate, and it just would not, it was just uncontrollable. You know, it, was, it, it wouldn't set a room temperature, it just it wants to ever just be viscous and fluid the whole time, which you can't, you just can't use because it just, it lands, you can't layer it, you know, there's no building. So they went with Nestle, which isn't chocolate, so I thought it was chocolate, but it turns out it's not chocolate, yeah, real chocolate, and, uh, and that is actually able to um, set at room temperature, so there's all these kind of things that you, know, you wouldn't have known until you actually get into the process of trying to chocolate. That's right. You were a group that were playing with ice magic as well. Yeah, well, we actually, we originally found the spirograph, which we really like the idea of this, this old machine, this drawing machine, which the 3D printer is a bit like the modern day drawing machine. So we try to control the machine to draw a line, which we designed this line, which is kind of beautiful. Yeah, so the, the spirograph is this kind of geometrical uh, pattern using a line. The, the spirograph was a machine to draw, the 3D printer is now a machine to build. So we thought, well, there's, nice, there's a nice uh, kind of relationship there between the two. Let's try and make this thing draw a line. Of course, as soon as you draw a line that leaves the paper, it just you know, it goes crazy. So we tried lots of tests that you know, kind of lifted up and it became a squiggly mess. So there's a few here, squiggly messes. Um, not so great on a podcast, but... Um, That's right, I'll take some photos. Yeah. <laughs> But then we thought, well, how about if we actually make this ice and make a dome and a form we can put onto it and then we'll get a space. So, and, you know, we, we did a test on that. And it's kind of, we, we did three tests and one one stroke two came out well and, you know, then time ran out. Well, that's right. So a bit more practice on that. But I yeah. think that's such a great idea because I think you're getting at... The problem with that you were having with the chocolate is that it's just such a different medium. Yeah, so hard so to build it with ice just makes sense. Yeah, so, well, the great thing about plastic 3D printers is you can do a cantilever. You know, you can you can draw it in space, which is a beautiful thing. But whereas chocolate, just, you know, <laughs> gravity medium. is not its friend. So, it's, yeah. well, all those so things will apply to other foods, won't they? When they try and compose, they really will. Yeah, I mean, so I would we 
were thinking about how it would actually be improved, and it, you know, with the ice, there's the cold factor that, that solidifies, and that's why it gives us the ability to, to draw over. So I think with development, there needs to be there's, there's the heat of the chocolate to come through, and then the cold, almost like the cold snap where it can then yes. build up. So and that's why ice magic is the funny thing where yeah. you know, you used to you used to draw over your ice cream and it would solidify. So yes. there are parallels. There. So if people want to look for Supermanoeuvre, yeah. um, what's the website? Uh, Supermanoeuvre.com. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're an architecture and innovation company. And yeah, go on and, and get in contact. Yeah, it's terrific. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Chris Bambra from Supermanoeuvre.com talking about constructing 3D designs using a 3D printer with chocolate ink. Photos of the printed chocolate and the printer itself will be on the Diffusion Radio website. The Powerhouse Museum actually bought the chocolate 3D printer and they hope to start up a club for people interested in using it. A chocolate printing robot fails when the air's wet or hot. Ice magic's the trick if you lay it on thick. Architectural material it's not. Ladies, listen to me. Now back to your man, then back to me. Listen to your man again, and now listen to me. He isn't me but he could sound like me. I'm telling you a story about how men's semen works as an antidepressant in women. Look away, look back. Now I'm talking to a guy who wants to cure mind-controlling parasites in crazy cat ladies with gold nanoparticles activated by lasers. Come closer. I'm telling you how high doses of vitamin C have been shown to activate a pathway of desire that makes you go out and seek sex with strangers. I'm Ian Wolfe. And today I woke up with a huge, hard, swollen larynx. I'm a little horse. Listen to me on www.hereswhy.tk or follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions opinions, congratulations, standing ovations, gasps of amazement and helpful suggestions to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so we know you're listening and would like to hear more episodes. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the Community Radio Network and syndicated on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Looking at the URL, the first thing that sticks out is the colon. And how about a slashing or cutting sound for the slashes? To complete the experience, we might throw in the HTTP and maybe some kind of download sound. www.diffusionradio.com Lachlan Watmore on guitar.